Welcome to the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A southern storm of bold, liberating rock shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome back to this episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. As always, we are very grateful for all the downloads and for people participating on the Facebook page and sharing music and sharing their show experiences for some of these shows that are starting to pop up. And as always, with me is my co-host and friend, Jason Johannes. What's going on, Jason? Hey, man. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, good, but cold. We've cold. got snow. <laughs> Keep snow that already. stuff in your state. Do not push it to Ohio. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier, and you say you don't get as much as us, so that be making you lucky man. Yes. Yeah. It gets cold enough. We don't need the um, <laughs> snow to go along with it. <laughs> well, frozen death doesn't happen until January and February, so. Well, you know, uh, we have a very good uh, guest, a couple of guests this week. But before we get into that, you know, we're going to talk about one state in particular that uh, has had a lot of people come out of it which might or might not, or probably be a good segue. So we're talking about Georgia. Georgia. Um, and we have kind of a list here of people we were talking about that are, you know, from Georgia, or at least spent some time there, born there, or whatever. You know, and going back farther, you know, we have, of course, you know, Otis Redding, Little Richard, Ray Charles, as far as, you know, going back that far, Jimmy Hall. Um, Which really, those guys influence a lot of the Southern rock and blues music we're listening to or have listened to. They they really had a lot of the, the foundational pieces of what some of the Southern rock bands became in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even now. Yeah, for sure. Now, getting more into like kind of our kind of thing, and um, I guess we'll kind of like we'll tie Florida into it too because the Allman Brothers are you know famous for being in Macon, Georgia, but they came from Daytona Beach, I believe, and then if you yep. go up. Go up a little bit more north, then you got Jacksonville, where Skinner came from. But uh, of course, the Allman Brothers—they're kind of like, not kind of—they are looked at as the cornerstone of Southern rock. Although Greg Allman would always say Southern rock is rock, rock. So you know, starting there, you know, they're you know for our genre, our show, and everything we talk about, they're you know they're looked at and are the kings of this genre. Absolutely, and a great presence too from the the Macon area. I think that's where the Big House and the Big House Museum still is for those guys. So, yeah, I mean, the key guys may have been in Florida, but they are. I would consider them a Georgia Georgia rock band and part mm-hmm. part of this whole Georgia theme that we're going into. Right. You know, and even though it's a little bit, it's uh, more into the jam band kind of category. You got Widespread Panic from Athens, uh, of course. You know, the Drive By Truckers. And driving and crying. Driving and crying. Driving, driving and yep. crying. Slimy Courageous. I'm going to admit that's the only song of theirs that I know, so I won't pretend to know a lot about them. <laughs> um, you know, before, of course, you know, who we, you know, are all about and what got us here. Before the Crows, there was the Georgia Satellites, and I always kind of wonder why that didn't grab everybody like the Crows. I don't know. They had the they had the um, one really big uh, hit, right? Keep your hands to yourself, right? right? That was that was their big one. That was catchy. And then 
they sort of disappeared. I don't know what happened with those yeah. guys. That, that song was everywhere for a while. Uh, and then the, the other hit is Battleship Chains, and that was a really good song. Of course, Rick Richards would go on to play with Izzy. Mm-hmm. Izzy Stradlin, Juju yep. Hounds, and he, you know, like I, I believe he's the guitar player on all, all those records. Um, of course, you got the Black Crows from Atlanta. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, I think Atlanta's got a big hip-hop scene and rhythm and blues, you know, but they really, they really kind of like, people would say, well, they, they sound like the Crow, or they sound like the Stones, they sound like the Faces, and they're not necessarily categorized as a Southern band, but, you know, they're definitely from that area, and that kind of music ties in to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at their hit that got them on the map, right? Mm-hmm. Cover of Hard to Otis Handle. Redding. Right? Yeah. Otis Redding, Georgia native. So kind of all comes together, really, when you think about it. For sure, for sure. And then later on in Atlanta, of course, someone else that we're so much into is Blackberry Smoke. And, of course, those kind of like those paths cross um, – Curtis known that Chris Robinson, you know, gave those guys their name and, you know, those guys all go way back, you know, the Turner brothers, Britt and Richard, you know, they used to run a rehearsal space that, that the, I, now I'm not sure if that going all the way back to the Mr. Crow's garden days or a little bit later on. Uh, if we're ever fortunate enough to get those guys on, uh, I'm going to, I actually know the answer to this question, but I'll ask them anyway. It's like, is it either, is it like fact or fiction or, you know, can you confirm or deny that those guys did actually work for the Crows during the uh, Three Snakes and One Charm uh, recording session at Chateau de la Crow? So, but I don't think that's really well known, but it's kind of funny to say it like that. Were they working on, like on the recording of the album for them? I, they're kind of known to have been uh, what we've heard before from uh, another, you know, from drummer from the steep water band and said they were just kind of gophers for things and you know perhaps that make one feel joy or whatever you want to feel i i, I, I get what you're saying you're trying not to be you know yeah get some people in trouble. It, it, well, who yeah. knows but yeah i think they were just like kind of gophers whatever they needed who if knows you're a what pros fan it, you know the album three snakes one charm you know kind of what went on to the making of that album what happened on the album release party if you if you've Right. Or if you've seen the videos, you can probably imagine, Brian, what you're alluding to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we also, uh, Larkin Poe is from, I believe, Atlanta. Okay. So there you go right there, you know. Why but, do you uh, think Georgia has so many, <clears throat> like, so many good rock bands or southern rock bands that come through it? Well, I just think it's that area of the country in the southeast, you know, like, uh, you know, to them down there and not just there everywhere, but especially to them, you know, it's this, I, when we talk to everybody, I talk about the tradition and something that seems to be embedded into their DNA, like a responsibility that they, you know, that they feel that they have to carry that torch and are happy to do it. And it's natural for them. You know, it's just something about the the tradition of the song down there, you know, that, that it's just, it's, you know, they're, making music that is them like they are the music and the music is them i i just think that's what it is you know 
for that. Yeah, for sure. And then I think, too, where you look at Georgia's kind of located geographically, you've got Kentucky, you've got the Carolinas, you've got Florida, you've got Alabama. You know, you've got all these other southern states that sort of go around right. it, and that almost makes Georgia really the epicenter of a lot of – if guys come through town, they get in the band, you know what right. happened with um, – uh, Steve Gorman, he came down from Kentucky into Atlanta to, to, to learn music. I think probably the Allman Brothers came up from Florida into Georgia. So I think it just that also seems just to be such a century located part of the South. It just also attracts all these other musicians from other states. Right. And, you know, when I look when I look at the map of the Southeast, and I think I don't know if on that region of the country, I don't think that Texas is included on that. But, you know, you look at. You know, Texas, like with Austin and Dallas, I think they're kind of doing their own thing. And then you get into Louisiana and you got Zydeco and you got jazz and mm-hmm. you got some cool music there. But really, it's like from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, above that, you know, down in Florida. That's what really gets more into all these amalgamations of music that, that are what we call Southern rock. And you kind of write like, you know, it seems like the Georgia's right up. They're coming up from Florida into the Carolinas, into you know, Tennessee. So that definitely makes perfect sense. That's my theory. I go with your heritage, plus I go with my geographically centrally located <laughs> for everybody to come come to pull it into the gravity of, of right, Georgia for sure. And uh, just north of Atlanta is a town called Rome, Georgia, where our guests this week are from. TJ Lyle from the Georgia Thunderbolts and the guitar player. Riley Cozart? Yes. I think I so, said his last name correctly. I try not to butcher people's last names on right. this. So what do you want to like tell the listeners about our conversation with TJ and Riley? Yeah, so the Georgia Thunderbolts, um, new band that's out, out of, out of Georgia, out of Rome, Georgia, you said, Brian. Uh, they got a five-song EP out right now, I think, just for download or digitally available. Um, getting ready to, to release the broader album, I think, once things settle down a little bit. But if you're a fan of Skinner and Allman Brothers, uh, even some modern rock, this is a really a band that's going to speak to you. They've got great guitar harmonies, vocal melodies. Like It is really like, I, if you listen to this podcast, you're going to like these guys for being such young dudes. They, you're going to find out kind of what some of their musical influences are, what they're trying to do. And just, it fits really in the spirit of what we're trying to discuss on the podcast. You know, when we talked to these guys, Riley, he's um, down in Rome. And then of course, TJ was up in Kentucky, you know, and you'll, you'll hear about those uh, Kentucky headhunters, you know, connections and Blackstone cherries. So I think uh, we've said enough. So without further ado, here is our interview with T.J. Lyle and Riley, Riley Cozart from the Georgia Thunderbirds. talking to our guests here on this episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast a couple of guys that were very uh crazy to be talking to 
just really super excited, just super amped to be talking to these guys. And as always, ask Jason, you let us know uh, who our guests are today for the listeners. Absolutely. Listen, if you don't know this band, you should know this band. These guys are awesome, really bridging the traditional Southern rock sound with a modern rock sound. It is the one and only Georgia Thunderbolts, and we have TJ and Riley. Hey, guys. What's, what's up, guys? How are y'all? We're doing wonderful, and we are really excited to have you guys on this show. I've been listening to your EP. It is awesome. Um, again, like I said, it, it sounds like it is bridging that from traditional Southern rock, like the Almond Brothers Band and Skinner with modern rock right now, and I love it. We're, um, we're happy to be here, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that so much. You know, before we started recording it, like, TJ, you were showing us around there, man. Can you do that again now that we're rolling? It's just fascinating where you're Absolutely. at there. And, and tell yeah. us where you're at. That's I'm right. I'm at the practice house in uh, Edmonton, Kentucky. Well, this is actually wisdom, but let me show you around here. And this is home of the head uh, Kentucky Headhunters, guys. This is our manager's uh farmhouse up in uh where did you say wisdom kentucky t yeah this is, this is wisdom they used to practice here whenever they first started uh a while you know years ago and they've cut a few songs in here i think maybe an album or two and blackstone cherry that all buddies of ours great people were blessed to have connections with them they've all done a lot of stuff here in this building <laughs> so you're a georgia band that's friends with kentucky bands how does that happen uh, See, actually, it's it, it's fate, man. Honestly, because we played we played this uh, agricultural festival just north of the band's hometown. Uh, well, about 15, 20 minutes north, Ross. Yeah, uh, Chattooga County. Yeah, about twenty minutes north we of us. There and we played. Uh, we was opening for the Kentucky Headhunters, and I've noticed this now, years later, that it was truly, truly luck because Richard will not come off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for his fans, he'll come off the bus. That day, it was really hot, I remember. And he said he had the back window open, and we kicked off on the first song. You know, we had no idea. But we, we kicked off, just like every show, we give everything we have, you know. And we kicked off the first song, and he said he threw his laptop down and ran off the bus and sat on the side of the stage and watched the whole show. And when we stepped off stage, after his set, of course, you know, he asked if we want to cut a record. In Kentucky, and the rest is literally history. That's that's the story. Yeah. Did you you meet, met those guys before John from John Fred from Blackstone Cherry? Yeah. Okay. So you got to know his dad first, and then and you met those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. What did so you had someone to like talk about the formation of the band to start out with? Yeah. I mean, I can I can roll with that one real quick. Go ahead. Uh, me and Bristol, we actually played football together in high school. I, I ended up quitting my junior year because this is what I wanted to do for a living. I was already making money doing it and everything. Not a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. We've struggled <laughs> and still do struggle. But, um, yeah, so me and Bristol had got together, and we used to jam, like, Metallica and stuff. Man, like, we didn't think anything was ever going to happen. And uh, we wanted to play music. Like, we was like, that would be so great, but it was just a dream of ours, you know? We didn't we didn't expect anything to come of it. So we started actually playing out some and uh, we started jamming with Zach Everett, who's the bass player of the band. And he's also from uh, Taylorsville slash Cartersville with TJ there. So um, we get to jam, man. We're like, man, let's, let's get us. Anybody know a singer? And uh, 
Zach's like, yeah, man, one of my best friends, TJ Lyle. And we actually heard him and Zach play at a bar in Cartersville. They used to do Allison Chains covers, man, and TJ freaking ripped it, dude. <laughs> and uh, we was like, God, yeah, let's get that guy and uh, let's let's have a little practice session with him, jam with him. So we bring him in, of course, TJ being the singer he is, which he's gotten so much better even since then. Uh, you know, he killed it. And we're like, okay, so we got a show coming up, so you're going to sing for us? And he's like, let's do it let's roll and i'm like man i don't i don't know if i should do the whole southern rock thing with one guitar you know i think <laughs> y'all know anybody that plays guitar you know and they're like yeah another best friend of ours logan so logan the guitar player now we've all seemed to grow together and bond together and be like a family from now on so that's basically how the you know the origin of the band started so you guys weren't all in the same high school but just around the same area yeah, yeah we're, we're we're 30 minutes apart from each other. Me and, me and Bristol literally live across the highway from each other, and TJ, Zach, and Logan literally live two minutes from each other. So, Yeah, we're, we're, we're just all together right there, you know. Well, I have two questions for you based on all that. What positions were you guys playing in football? Okay, you want me to answer that first? Heck yeah. Um, so uh, I used to be a lot bigger than I appear on Facebook and live <laughs> now. TJ's laughing. He's laughing his butt off right now. I used to weigh about 320 pounds, so I played left tackle, but I actually didn't weigh that much whenever I played left tackle. I weighed about 260, 270. <laughs> and um, Bristol played center, and um, I, I was switched out between nose guard on defense and, okay. and uh, right tackle on offense. But those were the two positions. And Bristol actually did play linebacker until he met me, and me and him started going to eat buffets every day. So we both got <laughs> – they wouldn't let him play linebacker anymore. <laughs> too too big that's, that's a hard to go out and cover a receiver or, or a running back out of the backfield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, question one. Question two. TJ, what, what were Allison Chains were you covering? Um, let's see. We did, we did some cool stuff, man. We did, uh, got me wrong. You, you, have you heard that one? Oh, dude, I grew listen, I grew up in the eighties and nineties, like Allison Chains, dude, right in my wheelhouse. We did that. We did some sound garden also. Uh, we did some temple of the dog stuff, you know, there you go. The deeper stuff, you know, like, uh, right. say hello to heaven. Um, reach, not, it wasn't reach down. It was, uh, call me a dog. <laughs> I think that's one of them. Okay. Uh, but the Allison Chain stuff, you know, we kept it pretty simple. Uh, Rooster and Man of the Fox and Got Me Wrong. And uh, there were a few more. I, I can't quite remember. I've I, I listened to so much music since then. I, I, re I really can't remember. But it was just mainly the, you know, the, the ones that were so popular and so cool, you know, that you felt like you felt like a badass singing them. You know what I mean? Get up there and shake your head and stuff. It was great. And it was all acoustic. <laughs> So at what point, like as soon as that nucleus of guys you got together, it was it like that second we are doing this seriously? Was that like right away? Yeah. Right away yeah. pretty much? It was definitely that way because uh, when me, Zach, and Bristol were jamming together, we were already planning to do it, planning to do it for a, a living. So as soon as we got the full lineup rolling, we had already had shows booked. So I think we went out. The first show that we ever played together, uh, I come up the day before. I'll never forget this because we went out to eat. Uh, me and Riley and Zach, right, Riley, at the mall. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I made Riley laugh. 
Okay, but here's what he was doing. This man had a cup of buffalo sauce, and he was just turning it up, just drinking like that right there. <laughs> I made him laugh, and I had this brand-new pair of shoes on, and he laughed so hard he spit yellow <laughs> buffalo sauce all over my face. <laughs> first practice he came to first practice man but yeah we we had shows lined up and we just started knocking them out man and uh the more we played you know like he said we we went and played with the headhunters we got a call y'all want to come play with the headhunters of course duh <laughs> you know Heck I, just, yeah. I just had seen them in atlanta with blackberry smoke like the year before so um and uh we we're used to people sitting on their bus and not paying attention and just but he came out and stuck his head out man and was and very just down to earth people just like us go ahead him now it is so rare for him to do that yeah you guys are just too awesome you sounded so good you just drug him off the bus that's what it was there's no way we're just very fortunate man we're he's the whole family's great man the whole band everybody in this family would do anything for anybody and we owe them everything we have they're just they're they're such great people man Blessed, man. Yeah, sounds so, like they really took you guys under the wing and took it, made you part of the family. Absolutely. They sure did, for sure. You guys mentioned Blackberry Smoke, who I kind of consider like the flagship for all of us. You know, I mean, th- this podcast is all about featuring, emphasizing these, you know, younger bands from the South that is kind of in this Southern rock revival. And one thing that they've said in their, the, the live DVD there from North Carolina, whatever, and Charlie Starr saying at the very beginning, we decided we were going to be a fans band. And that seems to be like the way, like all, a lot of you guys are doing it yourselves and Tyler Bryant and the list goes on and on Magnolia Bayou, you know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, man. And, uh, Bristol actually got me into Southern rock around ninth grade. My ninth grade year, Bristol's a, a year or two older than me, but he got me into Southern rock, man. And that's what I noticed is like, I don't care if you have a hundred thousand fans for a band that really doesn't treat their fans great, and you got a hundred Blackberry Smoke fans. The Blackberry Smoke fans are raising more cane and giving more hoop and holler for the band than the hundred thousand are, and that's the way it is for us, man. Yeah, it's more of it's more of quality, not quantity. You know. Yeah, we're we're the exact same way. Like our fans are everything to us, and I think what happened is people. Not only did rock and roll music kind of, I'm not going to say it took a dive, but it's not as strong as it was back in the day. So I think bands are starting to realize that the only way we're going to keep this alive is to give those fans, act like your fans are, not act like, because I can tell you right now, me and the rest of us boys, we've ate with our fans hundreds of times. They've stayed at TJ's house and went out to eat with us in Rome. And uh, we'd do it for anybody because we really do love them. If it wasn't for them, you know, we wouldn't sell any merch. We wouldn't sell any tickets. We wouldn't. But uh, we talk to them on a daily basis. Uh, there's tons of them. They, essentially, they become the band. You know, they know yeah. they, they know what we're going to do. They move with us and they breathe with us. And, like, that's that's our biggest part is we're just one big family. We don't, we don't turn a blind eye to anybody, you know. If you enjoy the music, that's fantastic, you know. Come with us. Come on the road with us. Let's go. Let's play the next show. You know? yeah. yeah. Like TJ said, man, they're like a sixth member of the band. I remember last time we played in Rome, there were more people from Kentucky, California, Ohio, 
Tennessee than there were from Rome, Georgia, to come see us. Wow. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, uh, MTV and all that stuff has crashed, and that used to be a really good platform to give fans and rising artists, kind of like you guys, um, some visibility with the public. Back in the 70s and 60s, people really had to crush it by touring. To you, I mean, is it almost we're back to that stage now where you're back to the 60s and 70s and really the only way to, to find the fans is by touring and getting out there? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is. And you by the way, stop, and you can't you, you can't stop playing the music. As soon as you as soon as you take a break, somebody else is going to come take your place. You know, exactly. You got to keep going. There's so many other people that want this just as bad as we do. But we have been so like I said, and Riley will tell you, we've been so fortunate to have people in our corner as strong as we do. You know, and we're going to get everything yeah. we got every day. You know, you've got to be starved, man. You got you got to be hungry for this. And when I said more people that out of state than in Rome, I mean other than our family, because we had a lot of family members there, and we did have a lot of huge fans in Rome. And I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying to have people drive 600 and 800 miles to see you in your hometown when there's a lot of people that live 15 minutes down the road. I mean, you know that that means you got a really strong fan base. Well, amongst your uh, peers and your contemporaries and bands have been around the same amount of time. I'm always really interested to know like what the camaraderie and support is, you know, I mean, in comparison to, I remember I was watching uh, Dave Grohl's Sonic Highways and it was uh, the Seattle episode and he was, or he had the Seattle episode, then he did the one in New York and he was talking to one of the Ramones and Dave was saying in Seattle, everything was so insular and supportive and, then back in the 70s in New York City, like bands were stealing each other's gigs and backstabbing each other. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to very uh, go on a limb and, and assume that down there, like it's very supportive and camaraderie. And so if I'm just going to throw some names out there, you know, like coming around about the same time as you, Tennessee Champagne, you know, and yeah. Magnolia Bayou down in Mississippi, you know, things that work out for Bishop Gunn, um, Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Um, uh, I gotta, I gotta ask you about somebody else because, uh, and this was, uh, someone gave you a really good compliment about being, uh, to TJ there for, for, uh, uh, being, uh, you know, a very, very good singer. I, I'm the word escaping me that he used, but uh, a couple episodes back, I talked to Andrew and Frank from them dirty roses and, uh, I got the sense that you guys had known each other from before cause they're in Gadsden, Alabama. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, just the whole question of what's the camaraderie and the support with all those bands down there. Jive Mother Mary is another one I forgot Man, to mention. Support, and I know, I know, I think we all mostly do. We follow those guys and keep tabs on them. I mean, yeah. I listen to the every band you named off. I, I listen to the the newest stuff that comes out. I mean, I actually talked to uh, Dylan from uh, Magnolia Bayou. I, I talked to him from time to time. Uh, I know. It's hard to because we're you know so far apart and things get crazy. But I try to compliment and listen to everybody's music I possibly can. You know, yeah. I, we, us five in this band, we've got anybody's back who'll stand up for us. And yeah. uh, that's like that's like them Dirty Roses, man. They've always had our back. We always have their back. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. You know. Yeah, we we love all those other bands that you just you just spoke about, man. Like like he said, I I stay in touch with Andrew a pretty good bit from the uh, from them Dirty Roses. And uh, the rest of the bands, you know, we give them a like on Facebook. They give us a like. And, you know, he's a little tight with this this pandemic going on and everything. So it's kind of hard to go catch your brothers playing out, you know, especially mm -hmm. when they're playing states over and stuff. But 
Other than that, man, you have to have the mutual brotherhood. You have to have that mutual respect or or you're going to fail. I mean, that's just the way we look at it. Absolutely. Uh, Who else out there that we might not know about would you say, like, hey, man, you got to see these guys? Anyone that's, like, really new or someone that I haven't mentioned, we haven't mentioned? Uh, Blacktop Mojo. That band's great. Those guys are, like, very good friends of ours. Like, we play video games and stuff with them sometimes on the weekends. Yeah, and, man. They're, they're super humble dudes. I'm trying to think of all the people we've played with. You pretty much named all the bands coming up right now. Tennessee Champagne, uh, Job Mother Mary, Them Dirty Roses. You pretty much named, like, all that I really know about right now. I, I mean. Yeah. No, you're forgetting uh, the Comancheros. Yeah, the Comancheros, yeah. I had, mm-hmm. We had Tanner on. Uh, there's one more, man. What's the? I'm it's, trying to think. They changed their band name. It was the Blackfoot Gypsies. What is it? Oh, South it's of our, Eden. Is it South, they, No, they were South of Eden before Black Blackfoot Gypsies, I think. Hmm. Where are? We played with them in Huntsville, and they were super, super cool. I thought the bass player was like John Lennon or something. I was like, oh, this is yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> like, this man, is awesome. There's another one I'm trying – I can't think of it right now. If it comes around, I'll, I'll shout it. You might, it might be – I'm thinking it might – Blackfoot Gypsies, did they change their name to Diogi or something like that? Or I think, I think so. I think that's, that's what it is. I think it's something like that, but those guys are great, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're very nice guys. Great. I'm people. taking notes. I'm taking notes. I'm going to check them out right after this call. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd heard of Blackfoot Mojo before, and I've heard a little bit. I can't remember where they're from, but – uh, Texas. Um, Tyler, Texas. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Tyler, Texas. Yeah, East Texas, right there on the Louisiana border. Yep. That's right around the. Is, I wonder if that's close to where the uh, Whiskey Myers is from. I think from Palestine, Texas. Those guys are from. That sounds. I, I think they know those guys. I think they okay. know. Them. So, who's influenced you guys, though? What are some of your influences? Go ahead. Bro. Oh, okay. I was going to give it to T, but, but uh, man, I grew up listening to uh, – I never got into Southern Rock, like I said, until ninth grade, which it's fully consumed my life now because it is a great genre of music. But I actually grew up on, like, 80s rock and uh, classic country. Those were the biggest things that I listened to. I remember sitting in my grandmother's hardwood floor in her, like, 70-year-old house back when I was <laughs> – uh, eight or nine years old, listening to Ace Freely or Ace Freely. We played yep. with them, and everybody called him Ace Freely. So I'm gonna call him Ace. <laughs> called him Ace Freely for about 15 years of my life, and then they just ruined it for me. But nah. <laughs> so uh, Ace Freely, uh, Slash, uh, Zach Wild, and I just have recently got into Gary Moore. Bristol's got me. Into oh Gary yeah, Moore. Gary Moore is great. Yeah, yeah. So those those are the mo- main guys that um that I look up to right now. So maybe we could have a little uh, gear segment here between Jason and, and Riley. <laughs> yeah. Ups, man. Oh, oh. Do it. I could, I could definitely tell you, I could tell you my rig. I, I used to run a little good sale, which is made by uh, a guy out of Atlanta named Richard Goodsell. He actually worked for Leslie back in like the seventies, you know, the big, the, what you play organ through the big uh, speakers and stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then I was playing a Strat as well, and, I, you know, we got with Richard, and Richard's like, man, you got to get you a Les Paul. That's what you played on the album. <laughs> so I, I ended up, uh, 
being hooked up with the headhunters, once again, you have something spectacular going here. He's like, let me talk to Greg and I'll see what's up. So Greg, one of my big influences as well, later on in life, I finally figured out, you know, who the headhunters were. Because, you know, I didn't grow up listening to them. I just had to find them, you know. So when I heard Greg, I was like, good God, how's he getting that tone? So, anyways, it's great to be, you know, friends with him and have his cell number. And he he hits me up. He's like, but which we'd already talked a long time. You know, we already knew each other. He's like, I have a Les Paul for you. I'm going to send it to Atlanta. We were playing with a Cadillac 3, I think. Okay, yeah. And he said, I'm going to send it to you and let you check it out. I never played a Les Paul live. I've always played a Strat. And I'm used to tuning the, D, the E to a D and it not work, not changing anything. But this just so happened to knock the whole guitar out of tune, so I sent it back to him, and I said, something's wrong. So, so he goes and gets it fixed by, uh, I think it's Todd Money. He used to work for Gibson Custom Shop. And I got Todd's number now, too, thanks to Greg. It's all an <laughs> assembly line. And uh, Todd's like, send it anytime you want it fixed. But now I have me a 58 Custom Shop reissue Les Paul. I'm actually leaning my phone up against the case right now. <laughs> but What's uh, the paint job? Uh, it's like a lemon honey burst. Oh yeah. yeah. I love that color. Yeah. It's one of the prehistoric, uh, reissues and I play a Bogner Shiva. I was looking at the JCM 800s and I actually decided to go with the Shiva. I think it has a lot more, uh, smooth sound to it. It's got EL 84s in it and I play a two by 12, um, Bogner cabinet with uh, okay. vintage thirties. Uh, Bogner is a great brand that you know a lot of rockers have used and are still using too. I figure you're probably blowing through a Marshall, but you got the Bogner. All right. Yeah. One more thing I do have to shout out uh, everyone listening. Uh, I also play stock tone custom shop pickups. Whenever he's the Greg sent me the guitar, he said I got to have the pickups back unless you absolutely love them. I strummed an E chord on the stage at Variety Playhouse, about to open for Cadillac Three, and I said, "Well, I may have to keep these pickups." <laughs> so I told Greg, I said, "Man." I will send it back. I said, and he just, he hit me up later. An hour later said, I got you a set of pickups. You keep them in that guitar. He said, he'll hand wire me some more. So thank you. Sherman Stockton, Stockton custom shop pickups. Y'all hit him up. So you take out the, you take out the stuff that comes from the the shop and you put your own custom stuff in very nice. Yeah. Well, I actually, I always played like, um, regular, you know, out of the factory, but these pickups were in it the first time I ever played it. Okay. So the the next guitar I'm gonna buy, I think I'm gonna get a custom shop, one of the '80s models, um, and I'm gonna have uh, Sherman put pickups in it as yeah. well. Fantastic. Well, you know what? That helps too. That gives you your own distinct tone, right? Because you're playing oh, through yeah. these custom pickups. That's your style. Your playing style plus everything you're playing through gives you that tone. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. You do have a great tone. I really do like the sound. This this EP is great too. Like you just you guys just have a great sound. Man, right? that means a lot. Thank you. So, so TJ, who are, I'm sorry, TJ, who are your influences? <laughs> I forgot to raise my hand. I forgot to be too. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk about Georgia. Bad company. That, that's a big one. Um, you guys being from Georgia, you know, the Almond Brothers, you know, you know, uh, uh, Georgia Satellites, the Black Crows, Blackberry Smoke. You know, is this, is this something that comes natural to you? Like just like that feeling that natural responsibility and that carry on that tradition? Yeah, man, and and it's hard to carry on a tradition. Um, It's not necessarily hard, but it's hard if you don't have the feeling. You know, you know what I'm saying. You know, if if you don't have the 
the drive and the motivation. Like a bunch of my influences are stuff like, you know, like I said, Bad Company, uh, Led Zeppelin. And that goes deep in the blues, you know, like Paul Butterfield, you know, John Mayall, uh, the Blues Breakers. And, uh, you know, man, there's so much, uh, you know, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder and just, you know, there's so many different bands that I could sit and pick and pick all day. But I think it's just the originality aspect I get from each of them are so different. But the big thing is it all comes back to the blues, every bit of it. Every single bit of it, you know, even even the Leonard Skinner stuff, it all comes back and they're a big influence also. I mean, it comes back to the roots of the music. And that's why I think that we have, you know, that's, I think that's I don't know how to explain this, but it's just it's one of those things you you feel you don't play, yeah. you feel, you know, and uh, I'm definitely glad for CDs and YouTube so I can look up how to <laughs> listen. <laughs> for sure. Uh, if y'all don't mind mind me butting in there, I, I feel like when I listen to our music, and I I helped write it, I, I wrote the guitars, I, I've heard the drums before anybody else heard them, but I was I was talking to this uh, lady at the gym named Joanne TJ knows what I'm talking about the other day, and um, she was like every every time I listen to a band, I can hear something else coming out in them, and she said every time I listen to y'all, I feel like it's it's new like it's not she said yeah i can hear a little bit of this and a little bit of that but it's not like completely focused on that one thing and i was like that's the greatest explanation i've ever heard because that's what i hear like we have all this different me and bristol listened to heavy metal in high school and southern rock tj listened to a lot of grunge now he listens to a lot of uh things like bing crosby and paul rogers and things like wow. that which he he always yeah. listened to them but those are big influences. Heavy, heavy influence. Yeah, Zach's big on Black Sabbath, Metallica. Logan is strictly Boston and Almond Brothers. So <laughs> Boston and Almond Brothers, great yeah. bands, but you know they don't really <laughs> go together. It's so weird to think that we can all put our brains into this one pot and come out with you know the Georgia Thunderbolts EP, you know, with these songs on them and have but so much versatility. Great. Right. Yeah. That's so it's great. All your different influences and what you bring to the table and the sound that you're able to create. Because O'Reilly, I mean, you, I think you hit it on the head. You guys, when you listen to your music, it does sound like some of the stuff from like a little woman, a little Skinner, a little this and that. But it is your own. It's not like you guys are emulating or copying or anything else. It, it truly is your own original new stuff. But you can see where the old stuff has influenced you. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. there's no way to pull yourself out of what you come from. Yeah. If somebody says, oh, you sound like Skinner or you sound like the Almond Brothers, it's like, you know, it's kind of in your bloodstream at this point, but you can also have influences of the modern stuff you listen to or the hard rock stuff you listen to, which there is. We have heavier songs that, to me, don't sound anything like Skinner. Yeah. And we have songs that are classic rock that I think sound a little a little like Skinner, you know? Yeah, yeah. and it sound like, like Muddy Waters 2020. I don't think yeah. you guys have heard that. <laughs> yeah. Water, Muddy Waters 2.0. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy, too, because really people like the, the new generation of Southern rock bands like you guys, Blackberry Smoke, Tyler Bryan, all that, heavily influenced by hard rock and heavy metal. So many cover songs I hear people doing, like Fairies Wear Boots is a very, very common cover. War Pigs, like. Man, like it just seems like your generation, this new generation, really grasped on that classic 
metal hard rock stuff and just just and you got to shred it too thank you man yeah, yeah we're, it, we're really uh, living man, for sure yeah it's crazy because uh <laughs> who was you know have you ever heard blackberry smoke's first album came yeah out with? Dude, mm-hmm. that that album is so heavy, and then it seemed like they just got more and more southern as they went on. It was southern <laughs> when it came out, but it sounded like freaking Black Label Society meets <laughs> Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, uh, for sure. Train rolling. They, yeah, that's the exact song I'm thinking. It's got that freaking whopping wow, 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 wow. Yeah, yeah man. It's badass. Yeah. So speaking so. of them, you guys were scheduled to open up for them, and it's been rescheduled. And that's, that's I got to see that somehow. I mean, were you guys just talking about doing a couple shows, or were you going to get an extended leg of that of a tour with those guys? Or I'll let TJ I think, take I think it. We, I, think we were, I think Richard was discussing some more dates with those guys. And uh, possibly some more dates with this band coming up, Almond Betts Band, of course. Right. Maybe some, you know, maybe some coalition with them or something, you know, coming together and doing some stuff. So that would be fantastic. As far as we know right now, we only have that one show with Almond Betts and one show with Blackberry Smoke. But like TJ says, we at this point, we have a lot of great connections. And if the pandemic would just let us do our rock and roll dream, I think we're going to be doing all right. But, you know, it hasn't just hurt us. It, it's hurt everybody. So it's hurt yeah. fans. You know, they, you know, a lot of our fans that we love dearly and, and want to see, you know, they just all this money that they could have had to come out to shows, man, they got to, you know, save up again. It, it, that sucks, too. But, you know, I won't get into the negativity, but this will be the first time that we played with Almond Betts Band, man, and we're very excited about that. We we actually played one of TJ's first shows with us. We played with uh, Dwayne Betts down in uh, Pensacola, Florida, and he gave me he gave me one of his dad's hand signed picks, uh, Dickie's hand signed picks. So I'm gonna try to find that and I'm gonna take it to him. And be like, man, you don't even remember me, do you? <laughs> See what he says this weekend. He'll lose it on the way up the steps. Oh, yeah. Well, if you were if you were three twenty when he signed it for you, he definitely won't recognize you now. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna buy. Who is this? <laughs> Dylan from Magnolia Bayou. Him and his dad they went and they toured uh, Muscle Shoals and they got the tour from David Hood and he got to put on a jacket that Dwayne wore. And then of oh. course. Drew from Bishop Gunn got to play Dwayne's, I think, with 59 gold top on stage. Yeah, at the yeah. Stone Show, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it could be. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That, that that's is an honor. He deserves is, it, man. He's a, he's a fantastic, fantastic guitar player. He is, man. I was about to say, man, like you were saying, if we had any, like, connections to these bands. Dude, I meant to message Dylan the other day, and now that I've thought about it again, I'm going to when we get off here. His slide tone on that new song, the new song, you know, they released the album, I think, today. No, you're talking about the Preaching Blues. It's preaching great. Blues. Dude, that tone is freaking sick, man. Like, that's as close as you're going to get to old Dwayne, man. Yeah, it's really good. Where did the Thunderbolts come from? It makes me think, like, you're guys trying to decide to be seeing Thunder and Lightning or something. How does that, how does the Thunderbolts come about? I get the Georgia part, but... Uh, that's just what Richard heard, and that's what he said. <laughs> Richard did a, sorry, Richard did a lot of research on our hometown, and he come up with the Thunderbolts. But you know, the reason that I like to say we're called the Thunderbolts is because every time we show up to an outside event, 
it starts pouring down rain and thundering. <laughs> so I, that's going to that's gonna be my explanation for the Thunderbolts. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's, that's a, a good story, too. Yeah. But, no, Richard came up with the name. He told us to do a lot of research, and, and we were giving him names. You know, he's a smart man, really smart man. He's brought Blackstone Cherry up from nothing until what they are now. And we put a lot of trust into him. Everything that we do, we're like, Richard, you call it, man. You're sh- you got more experience. So we were sending him all these names, and he would come back with us and be like, two country or two this. And we was like, what What are you thinking? And he sent us that, and we was like, let's just go with it, man. You got the brain. I think you got a good thing going here. Yeah. But the, the origin comes back from just uh, history. Like, I think Thunder – weren't there Thunderbolt planes or – so, yeah, something I, I think something like that. He he said it came from something in history. You know, we're gonna have to figure that out, Mac. We kind of <laughs> we kind of look dumb sitting. Here. I'm just gonna tell my story. The name of a plane in either Korea or Vietnam, I can't remember, but it was the name of a plane, a thunderbolt. Uh, maybe okay. it was maybe it was built in Georgia or something. Yeah, Lockheed or something like that. I'm sticking to all of our festival shows get canceled because uh, it pours down rain and thunders. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the I was on the fan page of you know it must have been yesterday and uh, I was asking you know if anybody had a question so I'm gonna read a question from a fan on the Strikers page uh, Lisa Booth Oshenbrenner she says I'm interested in hearing about the writing collaboration and recording process since I know these guys don't read music. The whole process fascinates me when you're working on something, you can't write the musical part of it down to refer back to that it all just comes from their heart and soul. I think she's asking about your, you know, writing and recording, your writing process. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna let TJ take this, but I just want to say this. Speaking of Lisa, we know her like the back of our hand. That's uh-huh. how close we are to our fans. You could have picked anybody off our Facebook page, and I could tell you something about <laughs> it. But I'll let – we actually hung out with uh, Lisa – Last weekend, we were playing with the Headhunters, and she follows them everywhere. So I sat backstage and hung out with her and her husband. But I'm going to let TJ take take the question. Man, we uh, – well, see, Logan and Riley and Zach are like robots when it comes to <laughs> the music part because they'll get it in their head. You know, they'll start playing it playing it over and over. And then Bristol comes in, and then they've got this groove going on, you know. It'd be better if we had a tape recorder, which, I mean, we do now, but – um, like they'll get in the groove and they'll come up with an idea, and I'll I'll just get an idea. I mean, in the song, that's it. I mean, that's literally how it goes. Um, they'll play it over and over. I'll tell Riley to play it back. I'll rap this. I'll scratch that. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then fifteen twenty minutes, song's done. Okay, I just figured something out. People have reviewed us sounding a lot like Skinnerd over the past few months. Ronnie Van Zant used to tell Ed King and Gary and Allen and whoever was in the Hell House to keep playing the freaking song and he'd be back. And he would go down, he'd open the door, go down to the river and fish and sit there and write songs. And he'd come back and they'd still have to be playing the song or he'd be pissed <laughs> at them. TJ <laughs> tells me to play the riff millions of times. It's it's like, man, I don't even want to go cut this song because I've heard the riff a million times already. <laughs> so maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe our writing style is is a lot like theirs. Yeah, I'd say it's a lot. You know, it's really similar to that because I, they felt what they wrote. We feel what we write, you know. Yeah. 
We're, we're yeah. not trying to fake anything. We, we write old school, man. We don't we don't have any sort of um, a pattern or anything. We, we just write. Formulas. We just yeah. say what we feel. And Got to write what you know. Makes it easy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you have a hell house like Skinner did? Yes. Yeah, we, do. <laughs> we have a. It has air conditioning. Yeah, we have a hell house with AC, but no. TJ has a single wide trailer at his place, man. That uh, they, him and Logan have actually fixed fixed up really nice. So that's where we rehearse at, and sometimes in a garage and our merchy. But uh, we got the hookup, man. We can sit there and just uh, now we went we went almost six years without having this, but we can actually cut a little uh, well, a rough draft of songs and listen back to them and see what we want to change and things. So that's a good segue into, you know, obviously this is the anniversary of a very somber event with the Skinner plane crash. Or, you know, whenever you guys want to elaborate on that and talk about it, I'd love to hear. I feel like it's a shame. I mean, but, you know, everything has its reason. And that that was one of those things in life, you know, that just it was so good. It was great. It was the best, you know, and then all of a sudden it was gone. That's just like. You know, people who died, people, as we were talking today, Spencer Davis mm-hmm. the, from the outfield, and then the, last, yeah. the week before, Eddie Van Halen, I mean, come on. Yeah. Man. No. It's, it's so awful, man, because <clears throat> imagine where they'd be today. I know you have the Skinner that's out now. Right. But imagine where the 1977 Skinner would be today, because uh, you never know when you're going to – back in the day, they didn't have all this, you know, okay, we're going to pay for, you know, a big company. We're going to pay for your plane. You know, it's going to be safe. It's going to be uh, a beautiful airline. No, they just took a chance to go play somewhere. Had no idea it was going to happen. And uh, it just killed a freaking bomb band, man. Yeah. It's like getting in your car and driving to the grocery store. You don't know what's going to happen from there to the, to, from your house to the grocery store. So we try to live our career like, man, we're not going to be scared of nothing. We're going to go out and we're going to do this because we want to do it and our our heart's in it, our head's in it. So we're going to like, be like Skinner and take that jump. And if, if we don't make it, you know, have faith, you know, it's, it's like going to work a, out. A similar instance is uh, speaking of the, you know, airplane crashes and stuff like that. Steve Wilson, who is the sound guy for the Kentucky Headhunters, used to be the guitar tech for Steve Ray Vaughn. Wow. wow way up to and he's the only guy who knows what amps he runs i can't tell you what they are he's <laughs> yeah who knows what kind of amps and stuff that he ran but steve wilson was the last person to talk to stevie before he got on the helicopter wow and that's, that's wow. Love, and like stevie and otis redden and uh jim uh croche yeah you know, yeah terrible thing i it, that, I feel like they were so much more unreliable back then, or, you know, precautions these days are so much stronger. Right, 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 oh, right. Very much wow. so, man. You also had the plane crash, too, that killed uh, Richie, uh, Richie Allens and Big Bopper and all those guys, too, back in, back in what, the late 50s? Yeah. And Ro- Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes. Patsy Randy Clowns. Rhodes. Yeah. Jeez. Stay, well, stay out of aircrafts for a while, guys. We need <laughs> you guys to really build that <laughs> that catalog and keep your fans happy would you <laughs> yeah. you know what's crazy though is you think about it you're you, everybody's thinking right now they're like man things have changed things have gotten so much better you know 
But look at Kobe Bryant, dude. Yeah. We're, we're all we're basketball fans. He was on a great plane. I mean, a yeah. helicopter. You know, it wasn't no piece of junk. You know, single rider. But it, it, it can happen to anybody at any time. You just got to be ready. Yeah. yeah. And we're yeah, for we're sure. all ready. You know, we're we're our hearts in it. We're ready. You know, whenever. Yeah. And I got to mention too, like we were talking earlier, it's uh, at the on the same day Tom Petty would have been sixty nine today. Gone way too soon. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. I don't know about the rest of the band, but I'm freaking <laughs> love Tom Petty, dude. He was a he was a fantastic songwriter. And actually, a cool story is where Logan, Zach, and I live. Um, there's an airport. I can't say the name of it, but it's a classified airport. But uh, Tom, there was a guy who was married to Patty Loveless. His name was uh, Emery Gordy, and he lived down the highway. And he used to played bass for uh, Elvis way back. I think he, I think he passed away now, but a couple weeks prior or a couple months prior to Tom Petty's death, he was flying in doing tracks at his house. So there's got to be some material left behind somewhere. Somewhere. Well, I thought about John Denver, too. If you guys know John Denver, he died yeah. flying like experimental, like private little aircraft, too. So yeah, yeah. sounds like stay a lot out of that stuff. Sounds, Sounds like, like Logan. Logan would definitely go hop in a plane right now, Russell B. Airport, right here across the street from my house, and take off in it right now. I Don't let him do that. He's been in a plane with him doing that. Yep. I've been <laughs> the back but no, Tom Petty, I listened to Tom Petty on the way to the gym yesterday, all through the gym and on the way home, and didn't even know the anniversary was today. So, Tyler Bryant's a huge fan of Tom Petty. Yep. He mentioned uh, Mike Campbell as a huge influence on him. So I'm wondering if you guys have heard, you know, Mike Campbell, Dirty Knobs, that's his band now. And he does these things on his Facebook where he shows how to play something or he's playing old tunes. And, and he it, sounds when he, just like him. Yeah, when he sings, he sounds just like Tom. Just like it's him. amazing. I've never heard them, man. I, I need to check them out. You would love it, dude. It sounds amazing. I'll check it out. And what is that noise? Right. What? Did y'all hear that? Yeah, it's a little buzzing. It's electronic devices. You never know. I was just making sure my phone wasn't like doing something <laughs> crazy. Brian was shocking me because I wasn't asking enough questions. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a remote button. He's in North Dakota. I'm in Ohio, so it just takes a little bit of delay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's cold where you are, Brian, isn't it? It's snowing now. It's freaking oh. storming out. Not a Lucky blizzard, you- but... Lucky you, man. Yeah, too early. You can keep that shit. Crap. I don't want that. Keep it up your way. <laughs> does it even? How much does it snow in Ohio? Uh, you know what? It, it surprisingly, like some years, it gets it gets pretty bad and stays cold for a while, and some years it stays just kind of mild. So it's we're very schizophrenic with weather in Ohio. You just never know what you're gonna get. We're very uh, skeptical down in Georgia. You get like a tiny piece of ice on the ground and everybody takes all the bread and toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. still, I still remember a couple years ago i think atlanta got hit hit like it hit like an inch or two and chipper jones was out there saving people on a four-wheeler or something off the highway you guys remember that <laughs> yeah dude i remember atlanta braves guy i remember i was in ninth grade and uh bristol the drummer was in 11th grade so he had his license right well you know, snow starts falling, and everybody in Floyd County, where, where I live, is like, ah, oh, it's all good. You know, we ain't worried about it. 
Next thing you know, dude, there's two foot of snow on the ground. And uh, maybe not two foot. I'm probably exaggerating here. I know I am because I don't think we've ever had a two foot. Well, actually, it, it was probably about 12 inches, seriously. But by the end of the night, not at the time. So Floyd County got a bunch of, like, hate for that, man. But me and Bristol, he had this big old Ford F-150. And we took off, and we had a blast before our parents knew about it because they would have killed us if they would have knew we went out doing donuts in the middle of the highway and stuff. So, but I just had to mention that, man. You are talking about the weather. But right now, Georgia, you wake up, it's about 43 degrees. You go to bed, it's about 100 degrees. That's just how it is. So That is true. So, so TJ, I want to jump back to a little bit of your influences again. You brought out Paul Rogers and, and Bad Company. Kind of talk about him a little bit and some of the other guys you really like. Well, Paul McCartney, just I mean, he's a monster, man. And, and like Bob Seger, monster singer. I, those, I would have to classify. I can't classify my favorite singers. But I tell you what, the feel that Paul Rogers has is like, I think Richard was telling me that they – played with Leonard Skinner one time and that's where that, that badass bad company sound came from I think that it was really he said that it was really derived from the feel and the roots of that because you guys remember free of course you know you of course like, yeah free up yep. uh, you know all right now and you know the big ones and uh but man uh you know, I, I like a, a solid vocalist. I love all vocalists, man. I go from, like, Michael McDonald to Bob Seger to Ray Charles to Frankie Miller to, you know, I mean, it's all over the place. One of my favorite blues singers, though, is I think it would have to be Paul Butterfield. You guys listen to him much? Mm-hmm. Yep, a little bit. Man. Uh, and I think he was the Stevie Ray Vaughan of harmonica playing. I mean, he had such great feel to... I, I don't know how to explain it, man. You'll just you'll just have to listen to it. It's just, it's amazing. But that's where I draw a lot of inspiration from. Yeah. The Rootsy Blues stuff, for Did sure. Did you ever listen to The Firm? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, radioactive, of course. Yeah. Well, you yeah. got Rogers and Jimmy Page. You said you're a Zeppelin fan, so you yeah. can't go wrong there. No. <laughs> I just love the stuff that <clears throat> the Black Crows did with Jimmy Page. That was, that was oh. sick. Oh, for real. To hear, like, one, if you're going to play I don't know if you can have a better backing band and everybody that was playing with those guys at the time. And two, uh, Chris's voice to, to kind of sing that stuff. I, I don't, again, I don't think you could have picked a better band to, to do that stuff with. Oh, absolutely. Now, have you, you, are you guys familiar with the band Train? Yeah. 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 Led Zeppelin too. Yeah. yeah. You heard that? That's amazing, yeah. right? They, they did, a, that was a fundraiser, right? They, they covered yep. Led Zeppelin 2 track by track as a, fun, as a fundraiser or a charity thing. It is amazing because, you know, oh, you hear Train and pop radio whenever. Those guys go out there playing. I mean, the guitar nail is Pat Monahan can sing like that. Yep. Pat Monahan can do Aerosmith stuff, too. I've heard him do Aerosmith on, like, the Stern show. Oh, yeah, man. That, he, that, it's just an all-around band. You know, they're known for their pop stuff, you know. But, man, they got the roots. It's all about the roots, you know. They know, they know what's going on. They know what they're doing. Hell yeah, they, they do. When did they do that? Was that like when Johnny Colt was playing playing with them? You know, mentioning the Black Crows, you know, he played with Train, and then he played with Skinner, too. So was that, when When did Train do that? That's a couple of years ago. Oh, that, that was 12, 13, maybe? Yeah. He's Googling. I'm Googling <laughs> to the Googles. Um, 
Come on, show show when they did this. Uh, 2016. 2016. Holy 2016. crap. 2016. Wow. Did you guys ever cover any Zeppelin? Uh, we used to do, this is actually really cool. When I first joined the band, we did a long haired country boy in the style of rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, there, man, there's a few songs. We actually tried to do lemon song into heartbreaker one time. No, not lemon song. What, what is it? Living, what goes uh, living, love and made, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 Is it heartbreaker into living, love and made? Living, love and made into, um, Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then I don't know if TJ forgot about this or not. We used to do Mr. High and Mighty by Government Mule. Yeah. And whenever it would go into the boom, boom, on, or I would play a solo. And whenever we stopped right there, and uh, I'm trying to remember the part. It goes, bah, dun, 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 it, we would go into. Um, uh, yeah. What song is that, man? I, I'm confused. Yep. Days confused. Oh my God! And then we would go back into um, Mr. High and Mighty, dude. People loved it. It, it was great. Yeah. Government Mule is fantastic. Warren Haynes is fantastic. Has a great pedigree with Southern Rock with the Almond Brothers Band, Dickie Betts, and I mean, what do you guys think about him? His tone is unreal. He's also one of my bigger influences. Um, I actually won a Saldano SLO 100 because of him, but. That's a $4,999 purchase, so I think I'm going to hold off on that for a minute. Like, especially for touring. I think I'm going to stick to my old 2005 Shiva. So. We need to get you guys back out there on the road again, post this COVID stuff, so you can get that, that gear, man. Yeah. Um, I yeah, my, so. I got my purchase behind me here. Is that Hammond? That's a Nord. A Nord stage oh, three. Oh, there we go. Okay. That's been pretty cool. I'm bringing it out on stage and playing, so that's been really, really cool. So you're doing all the keys for the band then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never knew what that thing was until he bought one, and then I seen like hundreds of people playing on that. <laughs> oh shoot! Oh, that so was do. Go ahead. So what's what's the draw on, on that on that organ? Like, what, why does everybody go to it? Oh man, this thing. It, it's, it's about as real as you can get without carrying around 650 pounds of meat. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. This thing goes like zero. It goes from like Bach to like John Lord in two seconds. You know what I mean? You just turn the knob and you're right right there at Deep Purple. I mean, it, Are you running that thing straight through the, the board or are you bringing an amp with that? Well, I'm running through the board for now, but eventually I'll probably run it through something. Or I'll actually, eventually, probably actually, when we start touring, I'll probably get an actual Hammond and, you know, start ripping that on stage. Oh, my God. That'll be amazing. I mean, your your sound is ripe for, for ripping that organ out there, man. It's just perfect. Oh, yeah. I'm going to run it through a Marshall. I'm going to run it through a Black oh. and I'm going to face it right towards Riley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Push his hair He's back. He says that because I've blown his eardrums out for the past six years. Yeah, I bet you have. <laughs> I have. I, I crank my amp. If you don't crank your amp, it's not going to sound good. If you play a tube amp and you don't turn it all the way up. What are you doing? It, yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? I learned that from Rich Robinson, who right. is notorious yeah. for being loud. Oh, yeah. I'm actually about to, um, you know, Steve Wilson that he was talking about doing Stevie's I think I'm going to actually get him to uh, take a tube out of my – it's only an 80 uh, – no, 85-watt amp, so I'm going to get a tube taken out so I can really crank it, like, all the way and then play with it live. But 
So there's a question here from Carrie Gates, of course, the administrator of your page. And I don't know if she's being sarcastic or not, but she goes, what instruments do they all play in? And are they learning more? I'm assuming she means like beyond like what you play. You guys multi-instrumental or? Well, as far as strings go, I don't <laughs> think there's anybody in the band that can't play a stringed instrument. Um, percussion, Bristol plays drums. He plays guitar. That's about it. TJ will play just about anything that you give him. He'll figure it out. I actually would too, but I'm not going to go out of my way to spend money on something else <laughs> because I play lead guitar in the band. You know, the only thing that I would really even maybe want to try to do is, I, I don't even know, but Zach's the same way as him. He can play just about anything. Logan, he plays a little keyboard and uh, a lot of guitars, so... But TJ is probably the, the guy that could pick – TJ and Zach could really pick up something and just uh, figure it out really quick. And I, I'm the same way as they are about that. I, I have that kind of – I think we all are, really. I think the rest of us just don't want to go out and buy something that we're not going to be playing, touring with, you know? Yeah. Right on, right on. Well, we're getting near an hour here. Um I don't know how much more I got left. Uh, Jason, you got you got something for our guests here? Of course I do. So, one, <laughs> she, <laughs> she, Brian had no idea he was bringing on such a talker. I could talk to anybody about anything. Um, harmonica, cheap gear, come on. Where's the harmonica playing? Oh, yeah, man. that. Uh, That's TJ. Yeah, a lot of that, uh, a lot, like I said, I go back to Paul Butterfield. Man. Yep. That and Sonny Boy and. You know, uh, God, what a Mississippi John Hurt and stuff like that. I just listened to those guys, man. It just, oh, God, I can name so many more. I really could, but I can't think of any of them. I'm looking at Sonny Boy on the wall right now, and he's just grinning at me, you know. Can't, I wish I wish I could. So the, I was about to say, I was about to say the name of a song, but I'm glad I didn't because it's not on the EP. But we, we, we cut a bunch of songs, and I can't say the name of one, but when you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, my God. He learned how to play uh, harmonica within like maybe a three weeks to a month's time and ended up playing the main riff to a song. I, I wish y'all could hear it. Oh, my God. But yeah, so it's not on the EP? That, that, that's no. what I about, the Muddy Waters 2.0 thing. It's a harmonica. Ba I wrote the, the riff, and Richard heard the harmonica playing with me, the exact same thing. And for him to just pick up harmonica within a month and play something that I wrote on guitar kind of makes me feel like a horrible guitar player. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, or, or TJ's just super, super talented. Maybe that's what it is. I ain't going to say that, but um, <laughs> I just, I'll say that. I just spend a lot of time doing this a lot. Yeah. So were you always into music, TJ, or did you do sports and then or do something else and kind of divert off? Well, I did sports back in high school. That's before I quit. I'm not going to say the name of the high school because I ain't nothing for that point. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, um, I started singing in 2000. Seriously, I started singing the first show I ever played with these guys. Like, seriously. That's the first time I <clears throat> was into it and I was ready. Because, you know, like Riley said, Zach and I played around for a while and stuff. Um, you know, the acoustic, that's where, that's where we actually met was up there when we were doing the acoustic stuff. But the first time I was ever serious about singing is when, I, and then it's just been a snowball from there, you know, just uphill, uphill snowball. It's always hurdles, you know. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have anybody in your families that are 
musical that you kind of learned from or taught from? And how'd you pick up your skills? Uh, I have no one in my family that plays um, that plays music. I just I wanted a guitar growing up because I listened to all these great guitar players, and uh, my dad's like, "Oh man, I ain't buying that. You ain't gonna play." And I'm like, "Come on, dad, give me a chance. Give me a chance." You know, I had I had acoustic guitars for Christmas when I was like four and five and six and seven, but finally when I was about ten years old, I talked him into taking me to a pawn shop and getting an old Dan Electro guitar, man, and. That's really where I started uh, actually getting into it. And I took it this far, so I hope he's happy. <laughs> yeah, did you ever say, Dad, look at me now? Yeah, that 99 guitar turned into uh, this, you know, custom shot Les Paul. I'm not going to mention a prize because I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to boast about it, but it's an expensive piece of equipment. Yeah. TJ, uh, how about you? Anybody in your family? Um, my mom and my sisters and my grandmother and my dad, they can sing, you know, I grew up in church and stuff and they would always sing in the choir and stuff like that. Uh, and I always just listen, you know, but the funny thing is about this is we've had a piano in our house. Riley knows what I'm talking about. It's a big, huge old piano. And, uh, I think my sister took like maybe two or three lessons on it, gave it up. My other sister took two or three lessons on it and gave it up. Um, and I didn't start playing piano until like a year ago. So natural talent. What a waste, you know. I could have been doing this my whole life, but, you know, that's the way it happens, man. Just overnight, you'll be like, I want to do this, you know, I want to do that. And then if you stick to it long enough, eventually you'll figure it out, you know. That's and the thing. That's what I was saying, man. Like, any, all of us are pretty much like that. But the thing is, like, I, I wouldn't want to try to learn piano because TJ, you know, he was singing his heart out, and he picked up the piano, and I'm like, that's perfect. You don't have to add a member. You know, he can just play the piano and sing his heart out. Yeah. But uh, we're pretty much all, that's the crazy thing about us. I saw Richard actually commented on a post the other day and said, y'all amaze me every day because any of us could pick something up and you let, you let us have it for a month. And it's like, oh my God, dude, like they know that already. You know, it, it's crazy. But TJ's the one that actually went out on the limb and bought all these instruments and start, started killing it on them. Is your nice. EP available on CD as well, or just on digital? Man, I wish it was physical copy. Good lord, we, it needs to be on physical copy. But may, maybe that'll come around. Maybe maybe when the full length comes out, I hope. I hope, and I know we all do. I hope it comes out physical. I really when the do. when the full length comes out, I'm almost positive that they said it will be hard copy as well. The okay. EP, man, it, it's usually you're not going to get an EP on. Uh, under a label, they're not gonna they're not gonna release hard copies for it usually, but they may end up you know sending us an email and saying hey we're gonna go hard copy with this, but they just want to you know they want to make sure that they sell properly, so they're they're probably just waiting on us to get back out and build our fan base you know bigger before we start trying so to sell got, a whole bunch of discs. You got the full length coming out of, of that EP. Eventually, we don't know when it'll be. But eventually, yeah, I think I think Richard's been in talks with the label back and forth. You know, nobody's together right now. You know, they're all separated. Yeah. We're actually there across the pond or up in New York or, you know. Uh, but I hope, I hope, I, I really do hope that eventually it will come out. And I hope it'll be soon because I can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of this album. We're, we're I love actually, the first five tracks. They're great. Thank you. Yeah, thank we're, we're, we're very blessed to have gotten to do an EP because uh richard was kind of worried that mascot was gonna wait until next year for us to start doing anything because we were already signed you know 
So we thought we were going to have to wait till next year, but they came back and said, let's do an EP with these boys. So that, that really shows that, that they really care and they think yeah. that we're going to do something, and, which the they're right. And so cool to us, man. They've been so kind and patient with us. And I really think they're in our corner, you know, because we got a bulldog in ours. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also thanks to the Blackstone Cherry man, they do a lot of they do a lot of talking to mascot and stuff yeah. about us and for us because they're good friends with us and they want us to succeed the just like head. everyone else. Dude, that's a <laughs> Blackstone old Cherry school. drum head. That's dude, that's the old that's like when they first came out logo. That dude, logo is I'll show you something really cool that I found the other day. You gotta um, charge admission to that that shack because that's like a, a, a rock museum. Well, oh, he's absolutely. Fi- while he's finding that, I'm going to plug my phone up. My, I'm about to die here. Yep, you're good. I want to show you guys something. Um, where is it? Where is it? Oh, it's behind this deer head. Let me, uh, let me show you this. This is one of Blackstone Cherry's very, very first set. More star free. Wow. How old is that? 20-something uh, years, I'm sure. Oh my wow. goodness! Yeah, man, it's this wow. place is absolutely full of history. And uh, again, about Johnny Johnson. Oh no! Wow. And here's a couple of Fred's drums. The rest of them are stashed upstairs. This place is great, man. Right on. Well, I'm in Ohio. I'm not too far away from you guys, so I'm, I'm just looking for the invitation to come down and see this thing. Oh, absolutely, man! Absolutely. One of us will be here. <laughs> so, uh, favorite song, you, before we get you guys going, favorite song on this EP for both of you? Ooh. Uh, Riley, go ahead. Uh, man, I'm actually trying to figure out how to turn speakerphone on here. I had to take my headphones out to charge my phone. Sound uh, good. Let, let me see yeah, you sound phone. just fine, man. I, I sound fine? Yeah. 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 Okay, I, I can barely hear you guys, but my favorite man it's hard to choose a favorite song on the ep honestly um i guess i would have to go with uh spirit of the working man because it shows what kind of guys we are in the lyrics and uh the the hard rock driven guitar riff is it it just the whole song it just kind of like is a sculpture of us i think and uh you know like i said as close as we are to our fans how much we love them and we do anything for them We'd give the shirt off our back to anyone, you know. I don't care if you're wealthy. I don't care if you're unwealthy. You know, not obviously he doesn't care because he wrote the lyrics. But uh, you know, it doesn't matter to us. We're just good old Southern boys that, um, you know, we really have good morals and we're raised, you know, to keep our head on our shoulders and not let it fly off with a, like an air balloon, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's my, my favorite song is because it really it really shows what kind of morals that we've that we've been brought upon us by our families and things. Awesome. TJ? Um, you know, I think I'm going to have to go with Riley on that one. Uh, work. I love Change the World, though. Well, that's such a uniting song. It's such a universal song. And I mean, so is Change. Um, so is uh, Working Man. I mean, uh, but I really think that the lyrics of that song came from me watching my dad grow up. You know, when I was growing up, I, he's just always, and people like him, man, just, they bust their, they bust their ass over and over and over and over. And then they get shoved and then they get right back up and go again. But I mean, you can't break that spirit. That's what that's all about to me. You know, yep. and I've, 
I've lived it. We've all lived it. And that's not something that that's made up. That that's that's a true struggle. Things that we've all seen in this yeah. band and get knocked well, down, you back up again. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a Chinese proverb that says, uh, "Get knocked down 99 times, stand up 100." Right? Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. That's it. Um, I really I'm like, like Linda. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't raise my hand. Um, Linda Hand, like, dude, that is super catchy. Oh, fantastic hook in that song. Get your toe tapping, kind of singing along with it. I, that is really an outstanding track, and I think that's the one I'm digging the most right now. Of course, I don't have the you know the inside knowledge of what you do and the you know the subject matter of your song and why that's important. But just listen from an outsider, that hook and lend a hand, love it. Thank you, man. Thank but you so much. The uh, the lyrics behind that song I feel like are almost the same thing, but not really because uh, you know we're we're talking he's talking about. Spirit of the working man giving you a shirt off the back and, you know, somebody going to work every day providing for their family and doing what they got to do to make, you know, their life and everybody around them's life good or great. But Linda Hand is more like a, you know, somebody's somebody's down there, but you're going to drag them by their hand up to where you're at, you know? If somebody's walking down the road with their head held down, I don't think I'm crazy when I get out of my truck and stop in the middle of the traffic and I'm like, man, cheer up, man, pep up. You know, it's a good life out here, you know, no matter how down you are. And I feel like that's the story behind it. We need more of that in the world right now, for sure. Like, that's a great message. Yeah, that's what we try to spread, man. If you or anybody you know is feeling up, always look around you to be humbled. There's always somebody less fortunate. That's exactly what the message is. I really like change the world that's my favorite so far and i don't know how much you know bands always if they get, like to get compared to other ones but like i don't know if you guys are tesla fans at all but that reminded me of like you know psychotic supper era tesla which is like 91 that could have came off that record but yeah that's a change the world's a great great song very positive i wrote the rhythm and the uh the lead feels at the beginning of that song that was kind of what i put together and then took it to practice, you know, how we said we always write. And, yeah, I love Tesla, man. I actually grew up listening to a good bit of Tesla and uh, signs and things like that. So. Frank Hannon and Dave Root are great guitar duos. Yeah, oh, yeah. You kind of called me out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been just a really, really super great conversation. and We are really, really thankful for you guys to be coming on. That means a lot to us. Oh, this podcast is just starting, and to have you guys on is just the best. We're just over the moon, so thank you. And you're good dudes, too, man. Like, really, we wish, wish you guys the best of luck, and that this COVID stuff clears out. You're able to get out and play. I'm going to come out and watch you play when you come close anywhere near to my house, whether you're in Ohio or a surrounding state, too. So, you know, all the best. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having us, man. God bless you guys. Thank you. You, all right. too. Yeah, we'll see you next time, fellas. See you guys. Have a good day. Stay safe. Thank you. Well, how about that to our listeners? You know, that interview, uh, another fantastic, fabulous one with uh, TJ and Riley from, you know, the Georgia Thunderbolts. What'd you take out of that? That was a bunch of good young dudes, man. They were very energetic, excited about what they're doing, excited about where their place is with music right now. Just excited to have the fans and their interaction. I mean, these guys just had a lot of very good positive energy about them and just were just ecstatic for what they were able to do. 
you know, and uh, they just uh, they just played open for the Almond Betts band. It's fun to hear him talk about, you know, you know, getting ready to open for Blackberry Smoke. Of course, those shows aren't going to happen until 2021 and talking about how they know the guys in Them Dirty Roses and all those connections and all that camaraderie is something I always enjoy to hear. Oh, for sure. And the fact, too, is they've caught the attention of two established acts, Stone Cherry and the Kentucky Headhunters, who've kind of taken them under their wing, uh, show them the ropes, uh, take them to record. Um, it's just it says a lot about the band, both their talent and their personality for, for some of these guys to take notice and and kind of kind of bring them along. And also says a lot, too, about the Southern rock or the rock music scene down south is these guys are kind of all brothers looking out for each other, all kind of family and and keep everything going. It's, it's great to hear. That's what we love to hear. You know, we love to hear how that personal interaction between those guys, all those bands as friends and supporting each other and, you know, keeping in touch and going to each other's shows. It's, you know, it's a, what this podcast is all about. Just super, absolutely super. Um, and, you know, to hear that connection, you know, with, you know, John, John Fred Young, who's the drummer in Blackstone Sherry, is, his dad is, you know, managing the Thunderbolts and helping those guys come along. And so that's just really super awesome to see. And it makes us excited and, you know, to uh, talk to more of these bands like that and just find out more about that whole scene and everything that's going on. And I dig their five song EP that's out right now. All five songs are really good. In my opinion, now what you heard in the interview too is I'm talking a little bit about some of these other songs where hey, there's some different harmonica and everything's going on that are they're supposed to be really strong too. And I think they had what 10, 13 songs initially yeah, ready for that album. Right, that's going to be coming out at some point later on. So we'll look forward to that. I definitely look forward to that. Again, I check them out, guys. The first five songs are really good. Lend a hand, super catchy, great hook in it. Um, just man. Again, good music, good people, super energetic, and just like friendly is all good. I could have spoken to those guys another hour or two. Oh, for sure. You know, they're just a blast, and specifically, you know, though they're both a blast, both a blast to talk to. You know, specifically, Riley's a little extra funny, and <laughs> is it was just just really wonderful, and it's just a blessing when we get to talk to guys like that and talk to everybody. You know, so we hope everybody enjoys that, and you continue to enjoy us. We just love doing what we're doing and having you guys hear these podcasts and can't say enough about that. So on that note, always remember the Southern rock is reverent and blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Scars to show
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 